Filter Free Podcast. I am your host, TJ Stevens. Step in. I haven't done this in a while. Uh, the MVP of Filter Free. Joining me as always, Della Bill Dave. Hey. And Timmy C. Would that make me the VD of Filter Free? We are like an, gunnery, apparently. We're like a minute and ten seconds into the episode, and this is what we're doing already. Also, so I would like to so uh for cleaning it up a little bit. Yeah. I also need to throw in in case you're listening to this and not watching it. Timmy apparently has got some shitternet going on tonight. Timmy's shitternet's back. Yep. Timmy's medical minute. What are you talking about? Doesn't even mention his internet. Please remember to subscribe and rate this show wherever you get your podcast. While you're at it, follow the show on Twitter at FF Podcast. On Instagram at Filter Free Podcast, follow the network at Filter Free Net. Become a Patreon, a $10 dummy head, or a $5, whatever we're calling it, $5 footlong, $5 hooer. Timmy, what are some of the items our Patreon members can get if they go to www.patreon.com forward slash Filter Free Cat? Well, we have our Patreon exclusive shows, Legends Let's Rethink This. Which could be getting spicy coming up. We'll see about that. Footballers XFL edition coming your way soon. Is that real? I I just now told you that. I'm AJ McCarron is a killing it. Sure he is. Killing something. Football. (laughs) He killed his NFL career. Now he's going to kill some XFL. Lord. We also have wrestling rewrite. Step hens and cold playing TW. They're now December 14th, 2005. When this when this show airs, it'll be April of oh five. Oh, we can't even get to December. This is the slowest moving shit ever. We do we we record a show every two weeks, and we do three months a show. I'm gonna show up this Saturday and hit fast forward. How about that? Plus the new the new kid on the block, Evolution of Evil, fun director Justin Yet TJ Stepins, mm. killing it on that show. Love that show. Little little change of pace from what we normally do. We're getting some great feedback, and there's friends of mine that I forgot I had that are listening <laughs> to that show. So, well, they forgot they were your friends. So my junior my junior prom date started listening to the show. So she hot. She was. I haven't seen her in years. I'm sure give she still my, is. Give her my I'm number. Sure, sure, she's still beautiful. I'm pretty sure she's married. I I don't care. Give her my number. I didn't ask. I'm immoral. (laughs) (laughs) Go on. Plus our 2023 schedule of events and bus rides. We are in talks about possibly very, I mean, not a, not a big percentage, but possibly SummerSlam. We know Dave's out because he's going to be moving to Abilama, but the fund director messaged us today. He has apparently been in touch with the Ford corporation about buying a factory. Buying a factory in Detroit and trying to get a suite in in Ford Field. So we'll see how that works out. Didn't, Stay tuned. Didn't he mention to us today at the Royal Rumbles in St. Louis again? Mm-mm. No, he, he just said he's looking. He just said he wants to kick it off. But if it's in like Saskatchewan, we ain't going. I'm sure that's a possibility for the Royal Rumbles. Saskatchewan. Nova Scotia. At the Fisherman Canoe Center. They should go back to St. Louis now that they're actually using that dome for something. Mm. That's the, the house that AJ McCarron built. No, 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 no. He tried to tear it down. Sure. <laughs> no, he he won this week. Did you notice that every XFL score seemed like ended eighteen to fifteen? Good. I, I thought the games were good this week. 
There's a handful of games. I just it's just a weird score, eighteen to fifteen. Me being well, an actual fan, I only watched the Battle Hawks game. <laughs> and, and for the first three and a half quarters, I was like, man, this shit is terrible. But then that last half quarter happened, I'm like, I'm back. Bring it on. AJ so, McCarron couldn't throw a football until there was 90 seconds left in that game. <laughs> so you mentioned that Legends Let's Rethink This, and possibly even this show. Uh, might be getting a little spicy. There's a good chance by the time this show airs, I already know what it is. I don't. I don't want to give too much away because I want to jinx it. But we threw a hail mary yesterday as we we're recording. We may have. We may have completed the pass. Uh, more on that. This things are going to get a lot more interesting if this goes down. So more on that. We later. threw the hail mary. The ball's still in the air. So yeah, we'll true. It hasn't been batted down yet. Drew Pearson hasn't caught it yet. But AJ McCarron did not throw this one. It's it's looking good. I, I, I'm already farther than I ever thought we'd get, which is just a reply. That's all we got so far. But well, and and we may be partnering up with some interesting company here soon, too. Yes. Lot, lots of balls in the air. None of them belong to Dave. Thank uh, God. Only took us two years, but we're fine to get, get somewhere. We had to remove some chairs from the table. Ooh. So we picked an interesting show here. We, we picked a promotion I didn't know existed, which you I believe is... Today, it's okay. I believe it's only the second time in the history of the show we did a promotion I didn't know existed. The other one was XWF. Should we should we let them know what it is and get the sh- show on the road? Let's do it. This week, we're going back to... March 2nd, 1991. As we're going to watch some Texas Championship Wrestling. Yes, this is the Von Erichs, at least one of them. And it's... Not terrible, but we'll get there. The rest of them are dead. Terry's still alive, 91. Yeah. Doofus. He didn't die until 93. Yeah, that's terrible. Before we get to that show, let's see what was happening in your world yesterday. Let's run through some events. Filter free up first. Stories that missed the cut. March 1st, Pat Day, who we've actually talked about the show early on, becomes the sixth jockey ever to earn $100 million after he rides Wild Sierra to a second-place finish at Oaklawn Park in Arkansas. I have a question. Mm-hmm. Did he earn $100 million, or horses he rode earn $100 million? Horses he rode. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say, because that's a lot of money for a jockey. I'm going to get I'm gonna get on some slim fast, yeah, get I, my ass in gear. I immediately thought I made a terrible career trip. If only you were four foot two and weighed 19 pounds. <laughs> I have a guy at my gym that's like four foot two. And I was like, how, why is he here lifting weights? He should be jockeying a horse because he's not a little person. He's just really short. Maybe he is a jockey and you don't know it. March 1st, (laughs) Edwin Land, the invent of instant photography, co-founded Polaroid and the OG of nudes. Dies at age 81. Shake it like a Polaroid picture. That's right. March 2nd, Brett Hull of the St. Louis Blues scores 70 goals in his second straight season. He finishes this year with 86. He related to ass. Asshole. See, Timmy, that's a joke for audio right there. <laughs> March 3rd, Iraqi generals meet with the United States General Norman Schwarzkopf. May I heard him to discuss a ceasefire during the Gulf War. I hope he just said, no, we're going to blow it out your ass. Actually, what he did was he he, uh, he ripped his blues off and then started hulking up in front of him. They were like, okay, we're good. Sorry. March 3rd, Rodney King was beaten by Los Angeles police officers that was also captured on video, leading to civic unrest and rioting in the city of L.A. 
We have covered this story in great detail on Season 1, Episode 41 of this show. March 3rd, a United Airlines 737 crashes near Colorado Springs, killing 25. Shouldn't have been spring in there. March 5th, Hall of Fame guard of your Indiana Pacers. Reggie Miller starts a streak of 52 consecutive games without missing a free throw. Love me some Reggie Miller. I've done it. My favorite was Gone 52 games without missing a free throw. I didn't take one in the 52 games. I didn't miss any either, though. March 6th, President George H.W. Bush tells Congress that the Gulf War is over, and then the next day, Iraq continues blowing up oil fields in Kuwait. The exact phrase Bush used was, aggression is defeated. So much for that. Yeah. I, I, I was talking to Nate about this the other day. I could have swore we had an episode where we covered the Gulf War, and we never did. I could have swore we knew Waiting for WrestleMania 7. It's actually funny you mentioned that, because that's coming up here. March 7th, Cool Papa Bell, baseball Hall of Famer who played his entire career in the Negro Leagues and retired with a 337 career batting average. Guys at age 87. To put this into perspective, Ted Williams retired at 344. Tony Gwynn batted 338. George Bell's grandpa? I don't know. Albert. He's related to Albert. Spelled wrong, but that would be kind of hilarious. At least I had the right spelling. March 9th, Joe Dumars of the Detroit Pistons starts his own streak with 62 games without missing a free throw. Done that as well. March 10th, Eddie Sutton is the first NCAA basketball coach to lead four different schools into the tournament. More tournament basketball later on in the show. Should be only three, because I'm pretty sure he got Kentucky's revoked because shenanigans. Shenanigans. Yeah, he was pretty chicey. He was mm. paying them players. Well, he got the 100 when, when he weren't supposed to be paying them players. No, that was Rick Pitino. Oh, that's right, yeah. Different Kentucky coach. Kentucky, famous for basketball shittiness in whores. March 16th, seven members of Reven McIntyre's band are killed in a plane crash. I wonder how many plane crash stories we've mentioned here on the show. All it, of them. It seems like there's at least three every week. Still the safest way to travel. Absolutely. Just don't be on a plane with any of the I guess maybe like a train. Train might be safer. Well, not if it's going through East Ohio, but... Ooh. A little current affairs there. March 18th, Steve Jobs marries Lorene Powell in Yosemite National Park, California. March 19th. He's looking it up. <laughs> Bo, I can hear his finger typing. Bo Jackson is put on waivers from the Kansas City Royals. He would have a season or two with the White Sox before completely leaving baseball. Those, right, teams, saddest. those White Sox teams were good, though. You had yeah, they Bo Jackson. Was, I think Albert Bell was there the with him. She was like 60 now, so she's not as hot, but she's hot. She I can definitely hot in 91. I can name you the majority of the lineup of the 1991 Chicago Whites. Ron Karkovice. We're good. Okay. okay. No, yeah. March Ron Karkovice is where it stops. I'm name. already done. I'm done with the officer. Just stop there. That was his nickname, by the way. March 19th, the NFL owners stripped Phoenix of the Super Bowl in 1993 because Arizona did not recognize Martin Luther King Jr. Day, which is a federal holiday. Should have stripped them this year because they can't put a fucking field that people don't fall down on. Didn't this just, I feel like this just came up recently. The field came from Oklahoma State. No, the it was, the grass came from Oklahoma State. Well, that's what I'm talking about. That's the field. But the the issue was the way they treated it. They like pull the entire thing out as a sheet to yes. water it and all that, and then push the whole thing back in. That was where the issue came from. And apparently the paint wasn't so good either. It was a shit show. So 
two NFL stadiums do their fields like that. Phoenix Vegas. and Las Vegas. Guess where next year's Super Bowl is? Vegas. Well, Las Vegas. I hope yeah. they learned something. They, they did. Chiefs win if we put a good defense against them on a slippery field. Chiefs are going to win next year? Tim's calling. Yeah. Yeah. I think we just said. I guarantee the NFL scripted it that way. Oh, God. <laughs> Here we go with this bullshit. March 21st. <laughs> The largest wrestling crowd ever in the Tokyo Dome is documented here. 64,500 people piled in to see Ric Flair drop the NWA world title to Tatsumi Fujinami. This was the WCW. Thank you. The WCW New Japan Super Show and featured other matches such as Arn and Barry Windham against Masa Saito and Masahiro Chono. Bless you. Thank you. The Steiners against Hiroshi Hase and Kensuke Sasaki. Bless you. With, with both the WCW and the IWGP tag titles on the line, listen to this barn burner. El Gigante against Big Cat Hughes. I'm in. And if you don't recognize Big Cat Hughes, that's Mr. Hughes. Vader and Bam Bam Bigelow took on Doom. Who's in that tag team? Former WCW World Heavyweight Champion and Florida State Seminole legend, Ron Simmons. And Netflix creator Butch Reed was also on that one. Who? Butch Reed. Netflix the natural. Yeah, the natural. Oh, he's the natural. No, that's a different one. Never he, was also, he was also Hacksaw. Uh, at the same time, there was a different Hacksaw. No, they actually had a fight for the name Hacksaw in Mitsubishi. Dueling Hacksaw. Uh, Ricky Choshu and Tiger Jeet Singh. Also, Bless the you. great Muda against Sting. All on this show. I bet that would have been a good match. March 20th, Connor Clapton, the five-year-old son of Eric Clapton, dies after falling from a 53-floor window. March 21st, Ron Tugnut of the Quebec Nordique stops 70 of 73 shots against the Bruins, a, mec- a record amount of saves in a game that wasn't a loss. They tied 3-3. Three to three. Tugnut. It's a great name. It's a solid one. March 23rd, 20 tornadoes kill five people in the state of Tennessee. Couldn't have been volunteering there. That's a really asshole thing to say, just so you know. But that, that is what you do here. So That is what you do in Tennessee. You volunteer. March 23rd, Happy. Dominic Bellissimo, the inventor of the buffalo wing, dies at age 68. They should build a statue of that man tomorrow. March 24th, Hulk Hogan defeats Sergeant Slaughter for the WWF world title in the LA Memorial Sports Arena at the now infamous WrestleMania 7. Greatest world title match of all time. I don't know if I go that far. I did like it, though. Yeah. I- Iraqi Sergeant Slaughter is underrated. He... Well, no, I'm just saying greatest because, like, there's been some good matches. March 27th. Did I stutter? Greatest. Greatest, bitch. Uh, Chalk this one up in shit you didn't know. March 27th, Donnie Wahlberg of New Kids on the Block is arrested in Kentucky on arson charges. Well, see, you don't live in Kentucky. That's I remember that. Famous. Setting fire to a rug in a hotel. It was in Louisville. In fact, I think it was at the Galt House, if I'm not mistaken. Uh. Here, here's uh, something I didn't write into the show, so this ought to be good. TJ Stevens begins his practice of being a nerd in the future on March 28th. That needs cut. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go ahead and move on to stories in the wheelhouse March 10th. We have a slew of college basketball to discuss as we head to conference championship weekend and gear up for the NCAA tournament. Unfortunately, the tournament itself ended on April 1st, so we can't discuss that, but we can talk conference titles. I know Dave was already going to take UNC and Duke, and the Big Ten did not have a conference title game. So I'm going to move to the Big Eight, where number 13 Nebraska is upset by unranked Missouri, 90-82. You have to love Missouri. Missouri. Pardon me. No, don't do that. Missouri. Missouri. You have to love college basketball season, all of it. 
the regular season upsets, conference title upsets, and of course the Cinderella stories of March Madness. And here, Missouri lives at Missouri, lives up to the promise. This Nebraska team, while lacking a star power, head coach Dan- Danny Knee had an experienced team, which makes all the difference to go deep into the playoffs. The Cornhuskers had four juniors and one senior starting, with three more seniors on the bench and two juniors there as well. They only had one freshman and one sophomore on the state. You will never see that again. Nebraska also had very good wins over number five Michigan State, number 13 Oklahoma, number 10 Kansas, but they did lose to number 18 Kansas and number 12 Oklahoma State. Missouri had youth and experience on their team with three upperclassmen in their starting lineup with one on their bench and eight lower classmen as well. They beat number 11 Oklahoma while losing six other games against ranked opponents before upsetting Nebraska. Nebraska would go into the NCAA tournament as a three seed in the Midwest Regional and was upset again in the first round, this time by number 14 seed Xavier, Missouri. From where? Xavier. From where? What are, what are you asking me? Where's Xavier? Xavier City. Yeah. Cincinnati Legends, Xavier University. Why does Cincinnati have two colleges? Anyway, Missouri did not even make the tournament. It's Missouri. Missouri. In 1991, the ACC was the king of college basketball. This tournament was about the number one seed Duke Blue Devils and the number two seed North Carolina Tar Heels. I remember watching this game at my dad's house live, and it was a straight-up blowout. The Tar Heels rolled over the Blue Devils 96-74, to giving UNC coach Dean Smith his 11th ACC championship with a team that made it to the Final Four. The game was never close with the Tar Heels jumping all over the Blue Devils from the get-go and never looking back, jumping out of the gates to an 11-2 run. Senior forward Rick Fox for the Tar Heels was named tournament MVP and went on to have a decent NBA career and is now an actor and all-around lucky as hell dude as he was once married to Vanessa Williams for five years and even dated all-world smoke show Eliza Dushku for five years. So all in all, the Tar Heels... He dated Eliza Dushku? Mm-hmm. He should have been a ref for why. I feel like, isn't she like quite a bit younger than he is? Uh, I think she's like 10 years younger than him. She's 42. Wow, she's my age. Rick Fox, Fox is way older than me. Is 53. Yeah, boy, yeah. Anyway, let's forget all these pussy-ass conferences. Let's talk about where the action is. The Metro Conference, baby. Never heard of it. Never even, not even around anymore. It's so great. It, it's not. It, it was fabulous. <laughs> Home of both the Cincinnati Bearcats and the legendary Florida State Seminoles. Who won the tournament that year for the Metro? FSU bounced South Carolina, Virginia Tech, and Louisville to get to the Metro's automatic bid that year. But there was some moment, momentum building in the University of Cincinnati. Mm. The Thank next goodness. year, the Bearcats would make it all the way to the Final Four with a stacked roster that included Nick Van Exel, Corey Blunt, and Herb Jones. Chicago Bulls legend, Corey Blunt. L.A. Lakers legend, Nick no. Van Exel. Mm-mm. Oh, well, that's fine. You can have him. We have Corey Blunt. But this year, FSU would get a seven seed, win a game against USC in the tournament, and then be bounced by TJ's favorite, Bobby Knight and the Fatties of Indiana University. Bobby Knight can lick my Kulo. <laughs> March 13th. The oil company Exxon breaks out the checkbook, agreeing to pay over $1 billion in fines and cleanup efforts after the crash and spill of the Exxon Valdez. This was one of the first news stories I can remember as a kid. I was six days shy of turning four years old 
when it crashed. And I'm about to turn six years old here when I'm we're doing this. Here's what went down. On March 24th, 1989, the cargo ship known as the Exxon Valdez ran aground in the Prince William Sound in Alaska. It had recently disembarked from Alaska and was headed for Long Beach, California. The oil on board had been received on March 22nd of 89 from the Valdez Marine Terminal, where the ship received 53.1 million gallons of crude oil. On the day of the spill, Captain Joseph Hazelwood went to his cabin at 9.25 in the evening, leaving William Murphy and Gregory Cousins, a harbor pilot and a third mate respectively. I don't know what either one of those titles mean. Harbor pilot is someone who guides the boat in their own specific area. Like if you port a ship, the harbor pilot brings you in and takes you out, and then they leave on a dinghy. Third mate is the fourth in charge on the ship. Then why wouldn't he be the fourth mate? Thank you. But I think we because you have a captain, a first mate, a second mate, a third mate. I think we just found Timmy's new segment, Timmy's nautical moment. Uh, but these two were left to head the ship as it was being guided through the Valdez Narrows while being accompanied by a tugboat, not Fred Ottman. The ship made it through the Narrows, which brought Captain Hazelwood back to the bridge. Cousins helped Murphy disembark from the ship, leaving Hazelwood as the only officer on the bridge. As the ship, ship cha- uh, trip. traveled, trip icebergs became an issue, so the ship was diverted from its normal path. And at four after midnight, the ship grounded after running into the Bly Reef. The Exxon Valdez spill was at the time the largest spill in U.S. waters in terms of oil release as it spilled some 10.8 million gallons of crude oil over a number of days. Multiple, multiple factors have been identified as contributing to the incident. Exxon Shipping Company failed to supervise the master and provide a rested and sufficient crew for Exxon Valdez. The NTSB found this practice was widespread throughout the industry, prompting a safety recommendation to Exxon and to the industry itself. The third, the third mate failed to properly maneuver the vessel, possibly due to fatigue or excessive workload. Exxon Shipping Company failed to properly maintain the Raytheon Collision Avoidance System radar, which, if functional, would have indicated to the third mate an impending collision with the Bly Reef by detecting the radar reflector placed on the next rock inland from Bly Reef for the purpose of keeping ships on course. Yeah, terrible. Captain Hazelwood, who was widely reported to have been drinking heavily that night, was not at the controls when the ship struck the reef. Exxon blamed Hazelwood for the grounding of the tanker, but he accused the corporation of making him a scapegoat. Shocker. We're going to point fingers at each other. In 1990 trial, when he was charged with criminal mischief, reckless endangerment, and piloting a vessel while intoxicated, but he was cleared of those charges. He was, however, convicted of misdemeanor, negligent discharge of oil. That sounds so dirty. I didn't, know that, was, I didn't know that was a crime. <laughs> they, they like made up a crime for him. 21 witnesses testified that he did not appear to be under the influence of alcohol around the time of the incident, but he was in his cabin. He had 21 people in his cabin. That's odd. In 2009, Captain Hazelwood offered a, quote, heartfelt apology to all the people of Alaska, suggesting he had been wrongly blamed for the disaster. He said, the true story is out there for anyone who wants to look at the facts, but it's not a sexy story and that's not an easy story, he said. 
Hazelwood said he felt Alaskans always gave him a fair shake. Wait, was he trying to run for governor? What it's uh, pronounced all. And it's oh. pronounced Valdez, not Texas, Valdez. Texas T. So the only we both got it wrong. Shut up. So the two things I found interesting Valdez, this, bitch. <laughs> the two, that's how it's spelled. The two things I found interesting about this story is I wish I could have been Hazelwood's attorney when the George, the, the judge said, We're finding you guilty on uh the, the crime of negligent discharge of oil. Because I'm like, objection. I think you just made that shit up. <laughs> That's not a thing. But also, um, I read while researching the story that so allegedly Hazelwood tried to, he tried for three and a half hours to get the ship untied. Yeah, to back it off. And thank God he didn't. You're leaking 10 and a half million gallons of oil. It's going to continue through the ocean like nothing happened. Actually, it probably would leak less if he just left it lodged. Right. It was probably the ripping from trying to back off of it that spilled more. In case you were wondering, a negligent discharge of oil carries a statutory maximum penalty of five years of probation. Wow, that's terrible. Serious crime. By the way, tying the last two stories together, one time I was convicted of a negligent discharge in the state of Indiana. I wonder if do you think That's he got you five were years off out by the freaking gymnasium? I was really <laughs> trying to ignore it, but <laughs> he wasn't anyway. Um, do you think he got the maximum sentence? I mean, he did discharge ten million gallons of oil. I don't know how much worse it can get. Well, five years probation sounds pretty stiff. Was that also a sexual joke? No, that was not. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of stiff yeah. and sexual. March 18th, the Philadelphia 76ers retired the number 13 for one of the all-time greatest players, Wilt Chamberlain. Not only was Wilt one of the he's most... He's way better than that whore LeBron James. Who were? He's also way better than Tim Duncan. Fine. That, that's, a, that's a fine thing to say. Yes. That's the first <laughs> thing you've ever said about Tim Duncan that was correct. Yeah. <laughs> Accurate. Not only was Wilt one of the most important players in the early years of the fledgling NBA... There's also a solid probability he has fathered 15% of the children born in the 1950s and 60s. That might be lowballing it. Wilt was born on August 21st, 1936 in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, into a family of nine kids. His mother, Olivia Ruth Johnson... Fucking was apparently a learned trait. They were good at it, the Chamberlain family. Uh, His mother, Olivia Ruth Johnson was a domestic worker and a homemaker, while William Chamberlain was a welder, custodian, and handyman. Wilt nearly died of pneumonia. (laughs) Shut up. Wilt nearly died of pneumonia at an early age (laughs) and missed an entire year of school because of it. Actually, if there was going to be a story, we were going to make jokes throughout the entire thing. It's this one. At age 10, Wilt was already six foot tall, with a 10-inch... I'm sorry, with a what? (laughs) I really got. I stopped myself. <laughs> but said he couldn't have an. In, he didn't have an interest in basketball because it's a game for sissies. That's his quote, by the way. I didn't make that up. But he would end up playing basketball in the seventh grade at Overbrook High School. Chamberlain played basketball and was also a standout on track and field, even though he was standing at six foot eleven. Well, yeah, he'd do the high jump and just step over the damn stick. <laughs> yeah, he, he just looked like Andre. Just one foot over. Actually, they, they did say one of it was long jump, high jump, two sprints, and the shot put was like his bread and butter. 
the shot put. He just reached his arm out. He's already like yeah. halfway he just, there. He just palmed it and dropped it. <laughs> Wanting to get away from Philadelphia, Wilt chose the University of Kansas to play college basketball. Chamberlain's arrival to the college scene was highly anticipated and created rule changes before he ever stepped on the court. One of which was that a free throw shooter had to keep both feet on the floor on the foul line. This was because Chamberlain could dunk from the free throw line without getting a running start first. No way. That that bullshit. What is that? There's that is a fucking lot. There's no way. I can do that. All right. The goat. Michael Jordan was only like four or five inches shorter than Chamberlain. It's a lot, though. And had to run from half court. Could you imagine just standing and. Imagine that. being one of the guys waiting for the rebound. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there, you just take why, off, man. Get oh, the fuck out of here. What am I supposed <laughs> to do with that, Lord? Yeah, and, and it's in the 1950s. So you're some six foot two center white dude from. Somewhere in suburban Philadelphia, like, yeah, look at this fucking guy. <laughs> Players could no longer inbound the ball over the backboard, which I found interesting. I don't know what that is with Will Chamberlain. And also, offensive goaltending was introduced after the play of Bill Russell and then Wilt coming into college as well, because Russell graduated, I think, a year after Wilt started. He never won a title at Kansas, but he was a two-time All-American in the 1957 NCAA Tournament Most Outstanding Player. Wilt Chamberlain holds 72 NBA records, so many that it led former teammate Billy Cunningham to remark, the NBA guide reads like Wilt's personal diary. He is perhaps best remembered as the only player to score 100 points in a single NBA game. Chamberlain is also the only player to average 50 points per game in a season. That's stupid. Or to gather 55 rebounds in a game. By the way, the what, 55, a, what a terrible team he must have been playing on. The 55 rebound game was the 100 point game. I wish I'd have had him in fantasy that day. <laughs> Yo, he I scored 1,000 to 400 points this week. <laughs> <laughs> he also never fouled out of a game and is the only player to ever average at least 30 points and 20 rebounds per game in a season, a feat in which he accomplished seven times. Pretty good. Ultimately, Chamberlain won two NBA championships, four regular season MVP awards, was named Rookie of the Year, won a Finals MVP award, won All-Star Game MVP award, and was selected to 13 All-Star Games. Although Chamberlain was shy and insecure as a teenager, he became well-known for his womanizing ways when he was an adult. Mm. I like it. His lawyer, which this is a great lawyer name, Seymour Cy Goldberg. Put it, some people collect stamps, Wilt collected women. I actually thought it was hilarious in the Ric Flair ESPN documentary where he tried to claim he slept with one woman than Wilt Chamberlain. Who are you trying to fool? Well, well, we'll come back to that here in just a second. In Chamberlain's second book, A View From Above, he claimed to have sex with 20,000 women. That's a lot. He had a book right. he wrote, kept off track all the names on. Thought, well, here we go. Almost did oh. that in 2005. According to his contemporary, Rod Red, Rod Rodowig, sure. Rod Roddy, Rod like Roddy, it. the guy from Price is Right. 
Oh, Rod Rod. Chamberlain documented his love life using a day timer. And I love none it. of you fuckers know what a day timer is. I love it. Every time Chamberlain went to bed with a different woman, he put a check in his day timer. Over a 10-day period, there were 23 checks in the book, which he would be, which would be a rate of 2.3 women per day. His dick had to be raw. That's two women in a blow-up doll. Let's- Chamberlain divided that number in half to be conservative, because you want to be conservative in these, <laughs> these trying times. Why would you even say you had sex with two and a half women a day? <laughs> he then multiplied that number by the number of days he had been alive at the time, minus 15 years. That was how the 20,000 number came into existence. Are you fucking serious? In a 1999 interview shortly before his death, he regretted not having explained the sexual climate at the time of his escapades and warned other men who admired him for it with the closing words from the chapter of the same book. Quote, with all you men out there who think having a thousand different ladies is pretty cool, I have learned in my life and I found that having one woman a thousand different times is much more satisfying. You fucking liar. Wilt Chamberlain, you're wrong. Again, I just, why did Flair think anyone was going to believe like, oh yeah, I banged more Wilt Chamberlain. Tim's banged well, 20,000 pounds. I got Chamberlain <laughs> beat on poundage, bitch. <laughs> Manitar! <laughs> We're done. That's the show for tonight. <laughs> Why don't we do t-shirts anymore? <laughs> God, Timmy, the man of the man of 10 tons. <laughs> the 10 ton man. Oh Lord. Do talk about that anymore. I don't even know what I was trying to say. Let's do the box score trivia. Because you don't trust anyone, or they can misconstrue, misconstrue your work. Just so I won't get fined, boss. <laughs> but today, I'm the greatest of all time. You like that? You like that? For the third week, I demand the removal of Kurt Cousins. By the way, Kurt Cousins may be the most entertaining motherfucker in the NFL. Because he's what? still like, have you not seen like when they win, he puts the Mr. T chains on and takes his shirt off and takes pictures? Yeah. He's highly entertaining. I mean, he can't play shit whenever the bright lights are on, but he's you, highly entertaining. You know what else is entertaining? When we talk about the right sport where we're playing box score trivia. So here we go. NBA leaders for 90 and 91. We're going to start with points per game. Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan. I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt because of the era. So I'm going to ask for four. Michael Jordan, number one, 31 and a half. Magic. No Magic Johnson. Not even Kareem. in the top 20. Say Kareem, Kareem. in 1990. He's like 100. <laughs> he played till he was 100. Larry Bird. Get up. Larry Bird, believe it or not, no. Well, I think Bird was getting hobbled here in 90. Carl Malone. Carl Malone, number two, 29 points a game. Isaiah Thomas. Isaiah Thomas, not in the top 20. That one kind of surprises me. Joe Dumars. Joe Dumars, number 20. Nine. So you got two. Sean Kemp. No, Fort Wayne, Indiana legend. Sean Dominique Kemp. Wilkins. Dominique Wilkins of the Atlanta Hawks, number seven. Patrick Ewing. 
Patrick Ewing of the New York Knicks, number five. There's our four, Knicks. baby. There's your Ooh. four. Here's the rest of your top ten. Number ten of the Golden State Warriors, Mitch Richmond with 23.9. What? Well, hey. Number nine of the San Antonio Spurs, the Admiral David David Robinson. Robinson. The good center of the Spurs. Number eight, Golden State Warriors. Uh, they had two guys here in the top ten. They were still awful. Chris Mullen, 25.7. Best flat top in sports history. Number six of the Denver Nuggets, Michael Adams, 26 and a half. Number four of the Philadelphia 76ers, Charles Barkley, 27.6. And number three of the Washington Bullets, and that should still be their name, Bernard King, 28.4. Moving on to rebounds per game. Again, Charles Barkley. We'll do four. Charles Barkley. No. What? Dennis His Rodman. name was the round mound of rebound. It's Dennis it's, Rodman. It's a great one, by the way. Dennis Rodman of the Detroit Pistons, number two, 12 and a half. There's one. Patrick Ewing. Patrick Ewing, number five of the New York Knicks, 11.2. There's two. John Bradley? Was he there yet? Nope. He was actually, he was in college. Carl I read Malone. about him. Carl Malone, number four of the Utah Jazz, 11.8. One more. I still can't believe the first time I did this game was a spoof in one of the episodes and it took off. What was what was the... Uh, David Robinson. David Robinson, number one of the San Antonio Spurs. What was the guy from the Bulls? Bill Weddington. Bill, Bill Weddington. No, that was Bill Cartwright then, stupid. Yeah, and Bill Weddington was a uh, Dallas Maverick here. And by Chris the way, Bill, Grant. Bill Weddington, career bench player. I will throw that in also. Yeah, you idiot. Here's the rest of your top 10. At number 10, Derek Coleman of the New Jersey Nets, oh. 10.3. Number nine of the Houston Rockets, Otis Thorpe, 10.3. Number eight of the, I think it was the Bullets and the Nets, Benoit Benjamin, 10.3. Chris Benoit number, Benjamin? No, not him at all. Number seven, the Hawk of the Boston Celtics, Robert Parrish, 10.6. Number six, Brad Daugherty of the Cleveland Cavaliers, 10.9. Number three, ready for this one? Charles Oakley of the New York Knicks, twelve point one. The Oak and assists, he'll kill you. Assists per game. We'll go with three here. John Stockton. John Stockton. Um, hold on. I did. I, I did total assists. We want to start. It's still correct. I just want to make sure I had the right one. Urban Magic Stockton. Johnson. John Stockton, number one, fourteen point two. Magic Johnson, number two. Isaiah Thomas. Isaiah Thomas, number six, 9.3. There's your three. Good job, guys. Here's the rest of your top ten. At number ten, LaPorte, Indiana legend Scott Skiles with the Orlando Magic, oh, 8.4. I loved him in NBA Jam with Shaq. Absolutely. Orlando Magic legend. Number nine, Sherman Douglas of the Miami Heat, 8.5. He has number great eight, paint. Kevin Johnson. That's Sherman Williams. Uh, number eight, Gary Grant of the <laughs> LA Clippers, 8.6. Number seven, what are the great sports names we don't talk about enough? Pooh Richardson of the Minnesota Timberwolves. Yeah, nine flat. Sounds, sounds gross. Yeah, that's named shitty. <laughs> Number, five. <laughs> Number five, the Golden State Warriors. So mind you, they had three people now on these lists, and they were still were the shits. Uh, Number five of the Golden State Warriors, 9.7, Timmy Hardaway. Number four of the Phoenix Suns, Kevin Johnson, 10.1. And number three, he's back, of the Denver Nuggets. Michael Adams, 10 and a half. And that was box score trivia. Good job, you guys. I'm proud of you this week. That was good. It was very good. For for being 1990, killed it. We do, we do good at 90s basketball. Yes. Now, a little something different on this show. We're going to cover two different dates, March 22nd and March 31st. 
because we have two outrageous crime stories to discuss. As on March 22nd, Pamela Smart is convicted in persuading a lover slash student to kill her husband. And on the 31st, Danny Bonaducci assaults a prostitute in Phoenix, Arizona. I'll start this part with Pamela Smart. She shouldn't have been hooking there. She absolutely not. Shouldn't have been teaching there either. Yeah, correct. Miss Pamela was born on was born Pamela Wojas in Coral Gables, Florida, on August 16, 1967. Miami. John and Linda. She was brought up in Miami before moving to Derry, New Hampshire, with her family when she was in middle school. There, she went to Pinkerton Academy and later graduated from Florida State University with a communications degree. Florida we don't State claim University anymore. legend. We don't claim that whore. Dave School and my major. Very good. She would meet her future husband, Gregory, while she was back in New Hampshire for Christmas in 1986. They started dating the following February and then married two years later and subsequently moved to Florida. Just seven months into the marriage, the couple started to have problems while at the same time, Pamela became a media coordinator at Winniconnet High School in Hampton, New Hampshire. This is where she met high school sophomore William Billy Flynn. Billy Flynn. Billy Flynn. They met at a school drug awareness program, which is excellent, oh, where they were both where they were, where they were both volunteers. Oh Billy. oh, Billy. I'm so happy. Hold me. As you can probably <laughs> foresee, this story is not going to be good. On May 1st, 1990, Pamela came home from a meeting at work to find her condo ransacked and her husband, Gregory, murdered. Police said the crime scene looked like a disrupted burglary. Say what? However, Pamela was later accused of seducing 15-year-old Billy and threatening to withhold <laughs> sex from him unless he killed her husband. Flynn did so with the help of friends Pete Randall, J.R. Latimy Jr., and Raymond Fowler. During the investigation, Latimy's father brought a 38 caliber pistol he found in his house to the police, believing it might have been the murder weapon. On May 14th, an anonymous tip indicated that Pamela's friend Cecilia Pierce was aware of the plan. Police talked to Pierce, who agreed to wear a wire and record conversations with Pamela in hopes that she would, something, she would say something to incriminate herself, and the dumb bitch did. What a dope. On August 1st, police detective Bill Peltier approached Pamela in her school's parking lot. Smart recognized him, having spoken to him on at least six other occasions. Taken by surprise, she asked, what's up? Well, Pam Peltier said in the recording, I have some good news and I have some bad news. The good news is we've solved the murder of your husband. The bad news is you're under arrest. <laughs> uh, he's a funny guy. He's That's solid. Funny cop. Still serving her life sentence, Smart maintains her innocence. Smart has conceded that her husband would still be alive if she had not had what she continues to describe as an affair with Flynn, who was a minor. Oh, shit, dummy. Everybody that has had anything to do with this murder is now out of prison except for her. Great. That's what you get. Right. And I, I thought it was dumb that she was like, I'm going to withhold sex. And then I remember he was 15. I'm like, that is the ultimate punishment. When you're 15, like so, TJ, I don't want to, I don't want to get in on your, your your little gig here with the the murders, but if you're gonna have someone killed, don't fucking tell anybody. Or you know, have a 15 year old you're banging on the side do it. Yeah, 15 year old's not very reliable when it comes. No, to no. Him. You I give mean, him- if you could, if you could withhold sex and make him do it, 
Odds are he's going to sell your ass out. I can give him two ice houses and a and a cigarette, and he's going to tell me everything. <laughs> it could even be a cool, and he yeah. still do it. Let's have some fun. On March 31st, 1991, Danny Bonaduce was arrested in Phoenix for beating and robbing Darius Barney. Uh, fucking Wikipedia. Authorities said the victim suffered a broken nose and a cut to his face. Their face. In July of the same year, Bonaduce pled. 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 Plowed. Wow. Plowed. Pleaded. Pled, pled guilty. <laughs> Bonaduce re- pleaded khakis. <laughs> in, in july of the same year bonanucci pled guilty to reduce charges amongst his punishments he was required to pay barney's medical bills which seems fair yeah i would think so but how did we get here bonanucci became famous as a child actor in the 1970s on the tv sitcom the partridge family he co-starred as danny partridge the wisecracking and apparently nose cracking Red-headed middle son of the singing family band, and he portrayed the fictional pop group's bass guitar player. He couldn't play shit. This kind of early fame can lead to excess, and it sure as hell did for old Danny Boy. On March 9th, 1990, he was arrested while attempting to buy cocaine in Daytona Beach, Florida. Best part of this entire story, Bonaduce was there to host an event for Dare. An anti-drug campaign aimed at children. <laughs> I nothing, nothing as an adult would please me more than watch higher than <laughs> Danny Danny Bonaduce poorly play guitar for a bunch of kids about not doing drugs. <laughs> hey kids, Wait, no cocaine falling out my pocket. Hey kids, let me hold on a second. Let me uh, let me get a little something out of my teeth here. And I'm going to play you something. Puff the Magic story, Dragon. This story still gets better, by the way. The cocaine dare story isn't even the apex. What? As an adult, Bonaduce boxed Donny Osmond and former Brady, Barry Williams, in separate charity events. Bonaduce won both fights, gaining a decision over Osmond and a TKO over Barry Williams. You beat Johnny Bravo. I saw that celebrity boxing where he fought Donny Osmond. Was that the one on the nope, celebrity boxing? Nope, nope. We're we're coming up on that oh. one. Or is that where he beat China? <laughs> it was announced in early 2009 that Bonaduce would box retired baseball player Jose Canseco at a charity event in the Philadelphia area. Holy shit. Things no one wants to see for Wait, 400 hours. Fuko beat up China <laughs> in celebrity Bonad- boxing. Bonaduce reportedly reportedly trained for the fight in Sacramento, California with boxer Angelo Nunez on January 24, 2009. Bonaduce and Gatseco fought to a majority draw in front of a capacity crowd of eight people at a little league field. <laughs> in, in April 1994, it was announced that Bonaduce would be making his professional wrestling debut in a dark match at Spring Stampede in Chicago, Eric Bischoff, I hate you. I do remember that. I remember that. April 17, 1994, Bonaduce stepped into the ring at the Rosemont Horizon. His opponent was another 1970s star, the Brady Bunch's Christopher Knight. Bonaduce won only because it was scripted. Well, he's he's won like, he's beaten like half the Brady family by now. Th- this must be Christmas, TJ. <laughs> I got to talk about Wilt and his stilt, 
and the ginger that fought the entire Brady Bunch family. Legit. This is awesome. Thank you're you. You're welcome. You're welcome. Hey, Dave, you want to do something now? Producer, hit my music. Oh, it's time for Dave's Faves. Have you seen it? Our life together? When do we ever have a life together? Come on, Sporto. Level with me. You slipper the hot beef injection. This week on Have You Seen It? It's a new month. We've got three movies. TJ won last month, so he gets to sucker punch Tim in the balls next time we TJ see him. TJ was two here. So. You know, the old turkey tap. Actually, I was six. But Two of these are pretty easy. You should get them. One of them's hard as fuck. So here we I like go. It. I like it. Movie number A. Our first movie this month made more than $272 million at the box office. 91? A young FBI cadet must receive the help of an incarcerated and manipulative cannibal killer to help... Silence of the Lambs. Lambs. That's me. He just said it faster, you both get it. You both get it. Who who was it, Quilo? TJ was first. Boom. Bullshit! PJ just said it fast, and they the both internet. said silence at the same time. It's true, but TJ finished the sentence, therefore he got the correct answer. TJ goes, start the lap! I think we should go. I, with I was trying to make it dramatic. You don't do that on the show. Kind of you, the point. Of you're not going to win an Academy Award here. All, All right, right, here we go. Hit the, hit the clip. That expires in one week. And aren't we an FBI, aren't you? I'm still in training at the Academy. Jack Crawford sent a trainee to me. Yes, I'm a student. How did we not get the clip of him going? (laughs) (laughs) That movie is so great and it's cast perfectly, but her accent is absolute trash. Correct. It is. (laughs) But that movie's so much better than Red Dragon. Okay. The second Silence of the Lambs? Yes. No, that would be the third. Wasn't there there one in between them? No. Yes, Hannibal. Hannibal came out later, didn't it? It nope. sure did. Hannibal yeah, it was came. first, and then Red Dragon. I don't believe you. I don't either. You're wrong. It's fine. You can be wrong. I mean, it's not the first time on this show would be wrong. It happens a lot, right. actually. Red Dragon came out like 10 years ago. Hannibal, Hannibal came, came out, like out in 2001. 20. Yeah, 20. All right, 22. Red Dragon came out 2002, so you're right. Well, it, was, it was much closer than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> All right. All right. Movie number B. Whoever says it first and says it completely wins. Our second movie this month made more than seventy-two million at the box office. Good. The evil Shredder wants to unleash an army of new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, but must face real people. Must face four unlikely heroes over the fight for the last canister. The secret of the ooze. There you go. Damn it! I was trying to remember (laughs) the second part. My last clue was it has real people. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> go ninja go ninja go hey clip, clip. oh yeah clip hey 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 what do you think what this guy get him help yeah
Jeez. Amazing. Running can, a little long. Can we talk about today. like all the nuggets that were in there? Like Jim Henson. Jim Henson, I know it's that did, immediately. Did yes. the turtles for real people? Yeah. The turtles for real people. All right. Movie number C. Our last movie of the week made an astonishing $11.3 million at the box office. It's a good one. Jim is the dorky son of a local cement contractor who lives at home and has no direction. Josie is the gorgeous daughter of a wealthy businessman who dreams of leaving town. They find they have a lot in common. Career opportunities. Yes! What is that? <laughs> what is you that? You worked in Target, bitch! Jennifer Conley. Yes. Oh, so She's hot. so hot. Play me a clip, please. Jim, there's no reason to lie right now. There's no one to impress. Anyway, I'm not impressed by a man telling me he likes living at home. Giving up his independence, his right to mate, to have a family. To have children, to build a life for himself. Good cooking. Hola. I have not given up my... How'd you miss the horse? You literally picked the worst possible clip from that movie. Who in the hell says right to mate? By the way, <laughs> Jennifer Conley in that movie, fucking fire. I'm not disagreeing yes. with you, but right to mate. I've been like, hey, you know what? I'm good. Never mind. I'll find <laughs> someone else. That was gross what you just said. I, I, I stroked a lot to that movie. I'm sure you did, pervert. Yeah. I don't Go know on. if they get any hotter than Jennifer Conley. God, she was so hot. 91 Jennifer Conley. God damn. Ooh. What are we doing next? Hey, we should throw to my clip now. Oh, we should throw to Timmy's clip. That means it's my turn. Mm. Let's go to Timmy's Trivioke. I'm walking on Southside. Hey. Don't waste it. Don't waste it. Don't waste it. I Oh, my darling, you look wonderful tonight. Okay, just <laughs> World famous racist Eric Clapton. Right? Timmy's Trivioke. All right. I'm going to have to start, have to start wearing my old headphones so I can hold them when I sing. By, by the way, Dave, Dave, I loved your movies this week. That was. Yes. That was, Chef's kiss. I'm a little concerned about this music, though. Uh, I'm worried you guys might be too young. Song number one. Clue number one. This was the first release from the album Five Man Acoustical Jam. Pump up the jam. Pump it up a little bit louder. Clue number two. This is the cover of a song from the band Five Man Electrical Band. What? That died together. Cricket. This song sucks. I can already tell. <laughs> All right. If you were asking... Long-haired freaky people need not apply. Oh, uh, signs. Yes! Clint! I still don't know it. That chick singing has a very dude voice. <laughs> it's actually, uh, it's one of the Hanson. It's one of the Hanson sisters. <laughs> it's their, it's their dad, I think. They, all right. They were like a super good hard rock band. 
Um, have you ever heard? You would know love song if you've ever been to a mid or a junior high dance. You know love song by Tesla. Man, you are you are WCW two thousand one. The shit out of this segment. Can we move on, yeah. please? Correct. All right. No one cares. Song number two, Dave will appreciate this one much more. Clue number one, this was the lead single from the album of the same name of the Australian band that sang it. You're not getting it off Minute Work? Yes, the the song Minute Work. Yeah, it's a good one. No. It's a classic. This song was used in Austin Powers, the original, and an episode of Friends. I I saved the good stuff for Clue 3. This song by the Divinals. Is about masturbation. I touch myself. I, I just need to clip that. Just Dave. <laughs> I touch myself. <laughs> it's a clip. That's why I put it. I love myself. I want you to love me. When I feel down, I want you to love me. I touch myself. I want you to find me. I forget myself. PJ, you okay there? He's touching himself. What happened? (laughs) (laughs) TJ, have you ever heard of Jenna Tortures? Jenna Tortures. Yeah. No. She's a singer weird. Oh, and she sang this song too. That's very busy. I thought that might be up your uh, alley. (laughs) I'm going to have to to Clorox wipe the bottom of my desk here. That's gross. (laughs) Song number three. This was the, the debut single from Gerardo's album, Mo Ritmo. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> what music are you picking? It's 1991. I yeah, said it was 1996 Ger- last week. We didn't. I said Gerardo, motherfuckers. Gerardo is the best clue I can give you. Miles and I would walk five. That's the best clue you can give us? Gerardo? Joe Girardi? New York Yankees legend. Clue number two. The video takes place at a pool. God damn it. Or clues on this one. Clue number three. It was number nine on VH1's 100 Greatest One Hit Wonders. Clue number four. Fuck that. Clue number four. The name of this song literally translates to rich and smooth. La Bamba. Just, just play the clip. We ain't winning this one. <laughs> Rico Suave. Never heard it. You ought to be You've ashamed. never heard of Rico Suave? You ought to be no. ashamed of yourself for that. Yeah. Go take a lap. How it, why, why should I be ashamed? You can't translate Spanish to English. I am from Indiana, sir. Rico I said Suave. La Bamba, bitch. I I'm going to sing the Macarena. So one lick at you like a lick of macarena. There was hey, macarena. It's very racist. <laughs> there, there, yes, there, my son was money to get clipped out, but I we there was something unfortunate we had to discuss, and I didn't want to have to do it in this episode, but I guess we're gonna have to now. This is the last time we're doing Timmy's karaoke uh, trivioke because that was the shit. No, we're not doing it anymore. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's time for the new game that's sweeping the nation. It's time. For Hardwood or Bush. Time to play 
everyone's favorite game, hardwood or bush. Bush. Oh, I, guess I, I guess I'm not going to turn around and blow my nose. Here we go. Number one, a slim, sexy, and toned blonde knockout. She was born on August 11th, 1971 in Tucson, Arizona. An only child, she grew up around St. Simons Island in Georgia and was an accomplished equestrian who won many awards at hunter jumping shows as a kid. It's Rico Suave. I don't know if you guys knew that. <laughs> she, she was in the video. She was the first runner-up at the national finals of the Venus Swimwear Model Search. Rachel Hunter. No. A photographer She's Australian, noticed- motherfucker. Good day. A photographer noticed her and asked her if she wanted to pose for Playboy. She was then the Playmate of the Month in March 1991. Pamela Anderson. No. Jenny McCarthy. Nope. She wanted to appear in several Playboy videos and pose for various Playboy special edition publications. Her sole foray into film acting was a small part as Crystal in the enjoyable lowbrow comedy romp, Can It Be Loved? Nope. She could be uh, Adam Baum's sister. Stephanie Seymour. Philip Seymour Hoffman. I, <laughs> I Julie love Mason. Clark. Isn't it Jane Seymour, by the way? Yes, it is. It's um, Julie Clark. I said is that. The answer. You did, yes. I Googled I guess that, I guess I Googled I it. What the, I mean, he had it up in front of you. Yeah, he did. I'm going to go landing strip. Yeah, 91, she had a landing strip. Oh, show, I'll tell you right now. Uh, yeah, Bush. Oh, yeah. Oh, full on Bush. Damn it. She, her thighs are throwing sparks. Number two, she was born on February 1st, 1966, and is an American former soccer player who starred the 1991 and 1999 Women's World Cup and 1996. Lord, no, didn't both. 1996 Olympic victories by the United States. Uh, She is regarded as one of the greatest female soccer players of all time. Megan Rapino. She was Ugh. named FIFA Female Player of the Century in 2002. Pele. In two th- Here you go. You say Pele? <laughs> yeah. In 2004, she and Mia Hamm were the only two women named to the FIFA 100, a list of the 125 greatest living soccer players. She was the one that took her shirt off. Chick- Don't know. Yeah, that's, that's what I was gonna say. Check the Dugger shirt off. Well, um, <laughs> you guys, I'm what I'm getting caught up on is it was called the FIFA 100. And it was a list of the 125 greatest living soccer players. So why was it not the FIFA 125? That's weird. I think we should do a top 10 list of our 27 favorite WrestleManias. Math is hard. (laughs) Anyway, they selected by Pele. She was selected by Pele and commissioned by FIFA for the organization's 100th anniversary. I know you don't know. It's Michelle Akers. Ew. I don't want to know. Like big, stupid, permed bush. Oh, it's all sweaty from running around the soccer Buck field. Buckwheat in a headlock. <laughs> in a scissor hold, stupid. Headlock would be your armpit hair. God, it, it may not. It may be that guy from uh, Coming to America <laughs> in, a, in a headlock. But I mean, the, the, answer, the answer could have been everyone's second grade teacher. That could have been the answer. <laughs> yeah, she looked like my seventh grade uh, gym coach. Why are we still look? Get off! <laughs> I, I was trying to, but I couldn't with her on the screen. What's Number her name? Three. Oh, Michelle Akers. Oh yeah, gross. Green Akers, Akers is the place. <laughs> <laughs> Number three. 
She was born March 18th, 1963. And as an American singer, actress, and fashion designer, she was 18 or 20, 28 years old here, Timmy. Settle down. We've actually talked about her in the show. So one of you should get her. She gained recognition as the first African-American woman to receive the Miss America title when she was crowned Miss America in 1984. Vanessa Williams is number three. We had landing strip. Look her up. 91 Bush. Guaranteed. Dave, Dave, you know Dave is looking. By the way, do you Dave, do you have a a VPN on your phone? Probably no, hedge clippers. <laughs> Here we go. Thank you. Yeah. Oh God, I love her. That cleanses the palate. Uh, let's start the show before we say something else stupid. Texas <laughs> <laughs> from March second, nineteen ninety one. Your announcer is Bill Mercer, and there was a color commentator. Never figured out who it was. I don't know if this was just the clip we watched on YouTube. But we're jumping straight into match one with Terry Gordy and the Dragon Master. No intro to the show. That's an interesting take. I don't think that was on purpose. That was my favorite intro ever. Just none. <laughs> Hi, I'm Bill Mercer, fuck faces, and here's match one. <laughs> <laughs> that would be the best intro. <laughs> that would be our show if we ever did one. Match one, the Dragon Master versus Terry Gordy. We have Bill Mercer back on announcing after his stint with World Class. The way this arena is lit and set up, and there's way more on this arena later, just so you know, but it looked like a New Japan match at first glance. It looks like the Dragon Master is wrestling in gold toe circulation socks as the dollar store Sheik is watching from outside the ring. After some decent big man wrestling and some hard hitting, we have a false finish with Gordy hitting a pile driver, but got his, the Dragon Master got his foot on the rope, but then Gordy wins when Dragon Master's foot was under the rope, they then interviewed the ref, and they shouldn't have. <laughs> no, that was good. I liked it. Gordy got a good ovation for a small little show in Texas. I guess the Freebirds were still over there? Forever. Since still the other Freebirds were in WCW, though, not sure why they're still claiming the Freebirds here in Texas. This was a good little hard-hitting TV match to get the show started. I didn't have any issues other than the weird finish. Why are they scissoring? Why can't you spell the right there? Text to type. Sure. Hey there, scissoring. (laughs) Hello, scissoring. Hello. Is it me you're looking for? That is how somebody with Texas would say that. A slow-moving match, lots of rest holds, and lots of scissoring. Funky finish. (laughs) This is weird. I don't like any of it. Up next is Kevin Von Erich and Iceman King Parsons talking about a tag team battle royal for this Friday night. Then we get Gary Hart and Bill Mercer, and this may be the only time in my life I've seen Gary Hart acting like a baby face. It was weird. It was off-putting. It was weird. Hey there, scissoring. Hey there, scissoring. (laughs) Scissor me timbers. They're explaining. I actually like this part. They're explaining the difference between the foot on the bottom rope and the foot under the rope. And I'll give them this. It actually made sense. If the foot is under the bottom rope, there's been no effort made to break the count. That is how you explain a rule. They talk about a totally unique concept, Texas Championship Wrestling ass. Apparently, it's a lights-out promo match. What? I don't understand what you're saying. I don't need. I don't need. Your text-to-type needs Jesus. (laughs) Cut all this. Go to go to TJ. (laughs) No, leave this. (laughs) (laughs) Don't delete this. Quello stays in. 
You texted Tank Beach. Oh, All right. Crying. Let's get, <laughs> let's fan off for a second. Match two. Steve Austin and the California Stud take on Matt Bourne and Iceman King Parsons. Steve Austin is billed from Tampa, Florida. When Parsons is standing in the corner with his arms over the top rope, it looks like he's four foot ten. They show right. a shot of the they show a shot of the crowd here, and I hadn't really paid attention up to this point. But apparently this show is being televised from a joint KFC and Taco Bell as the front row is sitting at like a banquet table with Pepsi and Polaroid. When I really started paying attention, I'm like, where is this? There's like an MGD sign in the back. Just like somebody playing pinball. It's a bar. As, as, I think it was. As Bourne and Parsons begin their comeback, the bell rings to the time. When Bourne was absolutely jacked. He was a large man. Yeah, the doink outfit didn't do his physique any. To be fair, the doink outfit just wrapped around him. He, I think he had just let himself go at that point. Boy, old Stone Cold had a head full of hair here, but was as green as grass. Whoever would have thought that guy would become the biggest draw in wrestling history. Without hair. How many promoters do you think saw Steve Austin in, WC, or in WWF in 1997 and were like, I knew it! I knew it. <laughs> I had him the whole time. The heels actually looked like something in this match and even had a little heat with the toothless redneck crowd. Yeah. I didn't think it was too bad. I just didn't like draw. I don't like draw finishes. Hell of a lot of talent in this match. And the picture on this recording is so good. I think the California stud might actually be Ric Flair. It got, it got a little wonky at this point. I thought actually when the match first started, I thought it was Mike Enos. And I feel like when they show the crowd, they might be sweetening the noise. But I'm not entirely sure they even had that technology back then. No, it was just three people in the back of the studio. Woo! Three, yeah! three yeah! toothless whores turned around from the pool table to be like, hey! hey! Gary Hart and Bill Mercer were back there screaming. <laughs> exactly. Iceman King Parsons may have the worst hair in wrestling history. It's fucking terrible. What do you want me to say? Hawk and Animal had pretty bad hair, too. Yeah, it was pretty bad. Yeah, okay. Time limit draws get my panties wet. I love it. Also, so excited. It's hard to say that when, uh, what was that uh, dude from uh, WCW that feud with Big Vito for the hardcore title? Little Vito. No. Then, <laughs> oh. literally, the only part of hair he had is it was completely bald with a rat tail. I can't Oh, he had a Tennessee mud flap. Yeah. Name's not important. So we'll just move on. Up next is Bill Mercer and some woman they don't introduce that she says that <laughs> Kevin Von Erich. Is her hero. They also spelled Von Eric wrong, which is outstanding, quite frankly. <laughs> In this promo, Kevin is telling us telling us how much he loves wrestling while he lets his kids just fly a kite right by the street. <laughs> to be <I> fair, legit- <laughs> the Von Erics didn't care very much for their children, so it's okay. <laughs> I was legit watching this, and he'd be talking to Mercer, and you seemed as once while a glance to his kids, and I'm like, are they turning him heel? <laughs> is this going to end with one of his kids getting hit by a U-Haul? Like, what is going no, on? Like, up next is Bill Mercer talking with the homeless Lou Ferrigno when, King Parsons, <laughs> when Iceman King Parsons is telling us about the homeless problem and how familiar he is with the life in his personalized track suit. What are we doing here? More talking with Mystery Lady as she tells us how scary Abdul the Butcher is. I'd be scared as well, but not because of his size. Abdul is 50 here. And I'm not really sure what he really has to offer wrestling at this point. Maybe Texas is different, or maybe I'm just biased because, you know, he might have sold out his good friend Bruiser Brody in Puerto Rico. I don't know. 
my question is, how racist are we with this whole fire in a barrel Iceman King Parsons bit? Because I'm just like, oh, wow, he's black. We'll put him around a fire in a barrel and pretend everyone around him is homeless. And his personalized Adidas tracksuit. That's terrible. I'm going to wear Adidas tracksuit to the office tomorrow. You absolutely need to. But it's got to be crushed velvet red. But But it was, yeah, let's help this pretty girl. And then, yeah. Uh, maybe the homeless too. We can probably do that too. Well, the, my my favorite part of the whole homeless guy thing around the the, the fire barrel was he's telling him like all the ways he got out of it, and the homeless guy just standing there like, "Yeah, but you have like ten dollars now because it's fucking cold out here." <laughs> I I need some Mad Dog Twenty Twenty. God damn it! <laughs> now we get a match with Abdullah in a best of match against Terry Garvin. All right, first off. There's never been a best of with Abdullah ever. No. We get some <laughs> the least worst of. We get some back and forth. Abdullah drops an elbow, not a top rope elbow, not a second rope elbow, just an elbow drop. <laughs> and that's all she wrote. Glad we could join it in progress. What the fuck is Terry Garvin doing here against Abdullah? That's I could never blow him. I could never take Abdullah the Butcher serious. That dude was so fat. Little pancake titties. All I ever remember from him was coming out of a you box a sandwich under him. and attacking Sting with a fork. <laughs> he, I, he wasn't attacking Sting. He was trying to eat. It's yeah. a good thing Abdullah refused to do jobs. Otherwise, when he'd get pinned, he'd pitch a titty under that armpit. You know he would. <laughs> <laughs> Bill Mercer and Gary Hart is what I wanted to say. Tell us about the Thunderdome and Al Perez. Hart says that one man gang has left, left the WWF and says that he made sure that he went after him and signed him, which is a nice touch. I actually didn't hate that. That's reasonable. One man gang was still young here. Now we join the action and progress between Matt Bourne and Al Perez. Apparently they only had like five stars on their show. This was a decent match with Bourne walking on top as the face, and then Perez sneaks a win out at the end with a reversal into a German suplex into a bridge, and that's how we go off the air. I'll tell you what, the show was quick, but it stayed to the point. As much as we've shit on it, it wasn't a terrible show. It was pretty good, actually. I want to watch this Thunderdome match thingy. I kind of do, too. All I needed was two doink matches on this card because that's, yeah. I'm We're not making fun of this show, but the promotion as a whole probably could use some work. Coming to you live from Chuck E. Cheese. But <laughs> seriously, after watching the second match, can we talk about how small Matt Barnes? Born. Barnes. Or... <laughs> Or Matt Barnes. Memphis Grizzlies legend Matt Barnes. He just is. <laughs> T. I mean, Wanger. I hadn't noticed, but, you know, to each his own, I guess. <laughs> I haven't I haven't been junk staring, so. <laughs> I think we should always do short, obscure shows like this. I enjoyed this show. This was good. I just like short shows. I don't care. I don't care how obscure they are. Just give me 46 minutes, call it a day. If you enjoyed this week's episode, please let us know. Give us that five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. Also, don't forget to leave a review. Make sure to follow the show on Twitter at FFPopcast, on Instagram at FilterFreePopcast. Follow the network at FilterFreeNet. As for us, you can find us on our social media platforms at Timmy C. At Timmy C. 1979. Dalla Bill Dave. For a little while longer, it's still at Dave in the QC. And I am at T Stevens 91. Next week, we're going to cover Mid South Wrestling from March 9th, 1985. Liza Minnelli cleans up. Tyson gets another KO. 
the Mick and Willie Mays are reinstated, and so much more. Until then, this has been the Filter Free Podcast, and so long for now. Dad joke of the week. Why did Adele cross the road? Mm. To get to the... Oh, hold on. To say, hello from the other side! <laughs>